Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is Fly Purbly with Steve Jacob and Craig Forsyth. This Fly Purbly brought to you by Keith Primo's Hoagies. Oh, wait. Primo's? Not pre. <sighs> we should have chosen a less confusing name. You know, I, I keep alternating back and forth on whether sports are bad or not. You know, it's like one day the Flyers are up three to one, the next day they're down, they're up three to two. Uh, the Phillies keep losing, the Sixers keep losing. So you know, sports are kind of bad, but uh, the Flyers can make it better if they just close out this damn series. Uh, to me, I mean, Steve, sports are bad is my business. Uh, I mean, that's uh, <laughs> you know where I land on that one. Uh, but yeah, the, the Flyers need to end this shit. I'm getting uh, the Canadians are starting to piss me off again, and uh, I mean I'm done with them. They're all like five foot two. They all shoot the puck from everywhere, and they're just not good. I'm kind of fucking tired of it. Uh, and uh, all... except for Shea Weber, who's like a behemoth. Yeah, except for Shea Weber, who uh, yeah, I mean he's just a gigantic freak. Outside of that, the rest of them like they just didn't drink enough milk or eat veggies growing up, or never hit like their growth spurt. So they're all like pretty small guys that really can't do much. That's why they don't score in this series, and. Uh, I'm just done. I mean, the Flyers are the better team. They're going to put this shit away. And they really, like, now, I mean, even if Niskanen, uh, a Niskanen suspension comes, uh, they, I don't, there's no excuse for them to lose. Gallagher is now out for the rest of the series, and there's no, they were struggling to score with him in the lineup. So I, I there, there's no way the Flyers shouldn't be able to close this out, if not Friday, I, in seven, you know. I just watched the Phillies blow a seven-run lead to the goddamn Toronto Blue Jays in Buffalo. Oh, hell so yeah. So, I need sports to be good. <laughs> They're gonna... Um, it's gonna come back. I'm feeling it. They're... I'd like... I mean, that was just... It was the first real hockey I mean, Gallagher's game in the series. Their, Gallagher's their goal-scoring threat. Although, apparently, Joel Armia, the Armia of one, is the flyer killer for this series. Oh, my God. That guy's annoying as shit. They just have a bunch of annoying guys like that. Him and Gallagher, they just throw the puck at the net. And they keep trying to... I don't know if they saw something with hard scouting or if it's something they've done all year long, but like a bunch of times in this series, Armia and Gallagher will just fly down the wing and then not even look for a good shot. They'll just get like just above the goal line and just try and shoot it over hard shoulder. So uh, like that's kind of how the first goal in the Game 2 loss happened, and that's what... Armia did on that play. Like, that play wasn't... I know there was the fourth line out there, but uh, that, that was a pretty bad fucking goal to give up. Oh, yeah. And, like, Gal, uh, 
talking about Gallagher and Armia just shooting shots, I put down all these. I, I came up with notes, so there you go. Surprise. So Gallagher right now is oh, wow. out. I guess to give an update, like live time. Uh, Gallagher is out for is evidently going to be out for the rest of the series with a broken jaw. Perhaps longer if the Canadians come back. Of course, that is, you know, viewing it from Montreal media perspective, you know, if the Canadians come back. Uh, so that uh, that means Niskanen is going to get suspended because he didn't get a penalty on the play. And it was very, I mean, it was obviously a cross-check to the face and he broke his jaw. And now the Canadians lost probably their, I, I don't want to say, bet, like, I mean, their best goal-scoring threat, I would say. Uh, their best, like, offense offensive uh like generator i like Deneau's pretty good and they still have a bunch of other guys that can push play and score but gallagher is a big part of their offense and what i mean by that is the canadians led the league in uh pretty much puck possession they i think they led the league in Corsi four percentage and were one of the better teams in expected goals four percentage and a lot a large part of that is because they just fire the puck at the net a ton and the main person that does that for the canadians is Brendan Gallagher. Um, in this series, uh, at 5-on-5, five five, Gallagher has the most amount of 5-on-5 uh, five five shot attempts at 49. Uh, for perspective, Myers leads the Flyers with 30. So Myers? Myers has 30. Yeah, so... Jesus. So Gallagher is literally throwing the puck on that. And also, to that point, remember, Myers leads Philly with 30. Also on the Canadians, uh, second is Armia, who has 36. Brett Kulak, who has 33. Jeff Petrie has 31. Shea Weber has 30, and Ben Sherratt, who has 30. So also, if you don't really see what they're trying to do here, that's Kulak, Petrie, Weber, and Sherratt. That's their entire top four who are third, fourth, fifth, and sixth in shot attempts at five on five. So they're going for the Dave Haxtall theory of get it back to the point, see if we can get some traffic in front of Hart and look for a rebound. And as you, as you saw, it worked in game three and four. Uh, it, it didn't. So... Now you take out Gallagher. Dave Haxtell, man. <laughs> Dave Haxtell would have loved that game last night. I was going to say, that's, uh, and that's kind of like the, I was going to start pitching that theory in those really tight, the, the tight uh, games three and four of like, you know, uh, Price is seeing everything. This might be a thing where we just got to get it back to the point and get bodies up front. So that's kind of been why this series sucked before last night. Because it was very, god damn. Well, was... and then last night, Elaine Vigneault, Big Al, friend of the show. We love Big Al and his ass crew on the show. <laughs> Last night, Big Al, I think, you know, he was thinking, he was playing chestnut checkers, but eh, I think ah. he outsmarted himself a little bit. I think he, he reached a little bit too deep into that fourth line well and just, ugh. Too much Nate Thompson. That is entirely too much Nate Thompson. Yeah, I think last night would have been the first night where people can kind of, I think I saw people get mad at, at AV and... The decision to throw out the fourth line, the third pair together after Farabee's goal was fucking asinine because it led to that game losing goal. And it's a thing that we. Haxtell esque. Yeah, we would have buried Haxtell for it. And again, I know a lot was made of like Thompson and Pitlick, and I believe Bunneman didn't play at five on five for the rest of the game after that. And people were like, well, that should be, you know, hopefully that means they'll come in the lineup because, you know, AV didn't play them again. At the same time, I fucking hope I don't see the fourth line in a playoff game when the Flyers are down by a goal. Like, he, they should have been out there. They should have been out there in that situation. But also, when they go down by a goal after giving that up, they shouldn't be going out after that. So, I think, like, since they were on the ice for their Amiya goal, which was pretty bad, and that last goal was all Justin Braun, which I'll, I'll get the bearing Justin Braun in a second. I have a bad feeling <laughs> Nate Thompson is going to stay in the lineup. And I'm fucking tired of Nate, seeing Nate Thompson, too. I'm pretty sure... 
Like I, I sometimes I like all I see on the screen is Nate Thompson just behind the play. And so, and like Nate Thompson has been Fletcher's we've given Fletcher the benefit of that with a lot of the moves because he deserves all of them. And I gave him a pretty big pass on getting Grant and Thompson at the deadline. I just kept saying, I only wanted one of them. And I would have preferred Grant because Thompson is slow as fuck and he's been, he hasn't been good anywhere. He's had that narrative. He's always had the narrative defense behind him. Oh, he wins the big face-off. Oh, he'll block shots for you. Oh, he's, he's always doing work in the defensive zone. Yeah, you know, want to know why he's always doing work in the defensive zone? Because he can't get the fuck out of the defensive zone. He's just always on right. defense. It's, and it's Chris Vandevelde again. Yeah, and it's the kind, it's the disconnect, and not again. I don't. There's no reason to dunk on Hag right now, but it's the whole thing with the argument of like Hag and why a lot of people think he's really good and think he's really bad. It's because the people that love him see him make the defensive plays, which everybody sees. But then it's the disconnect of what else is he doing? And that's again, this isn't about Hag. This is more about Nate Thompson right now, because again, well, listen, what the fuck it, is Nate Thompson it, doing? In defense of Nate Thompson, I have. A, a oh, stat that will just rock your world right here. Okay, <laughs> According to Sam Carcidi, the Broad Street Bull himself, among players whose teams are still alive in the playoffs, the Flyers' Nate Thompson is number one in the NHL at 65.2% in the postseason. Now, that's good. Now, if you, if you, you might be thinking, I misread that because you didn't actually hear <laughs> what the statistic was. But you'd be wrong if you thought I misread that. That is a verbatim tweet from Slam and Sammy, the Broad Street Bull Carcidi. Yeah, I just love that. Uh... So, my God, it, it's just he clearly meant face off. Yeah, like no, no, it's just meant, like it's just the tweet funny. just being out there. You read it and you're like, wait, what's what's wrong here? And if you didn't know it was face off percentage, you're even more confused. I mean, ah, uh, Sammy never change. Sammy, Sammy. I you know it's a. Uh, I will say at least he got it to the point where we all assume a mini. A mini taking it to the beats for you. Yeah, a mini so taking like, it. Yeah, taking yeah. it to the beats. That's it. <laughs> like it was enough where we knew what he meant, but it was still like, oh, he made a typo. But you know, that's not the usual Sammy stuff. It wasn't an egregious. I mean, I guess like, it's better than, say, friend of the show Wayne Fish, who would send out this tweet like three days later. Oh yeah, no, Wayne Fish before Game Seven would tweet out about how Gallagher was out for the rest of the series. Like he would tweet that out. It would be it would be a real delay. So. Can I let's dunk on best. let's dunk on the fourth line real quick? They were real horseshit last night. Uh, twenty-eight point fifty-seven Corey's four percentage, two shot attempts for five shot attempts against at five and five, zero goals for, technically only one goal against. Uh, that's because Rappel was on the ice and not Bunneman for the game-winning goal. Rappel, who was the furthest player away from the play and did nothing wrong, it was the other four Nimrods. Uh, and then seven point sixty-eight expected <laughs> goals for percentage in four forty time of work. Pretty much just whenever they got on the ice, they're like, all right, boys, let's get to our own net and just protect. Like, that's all they fucking did last night. One, like, they got outshot by four, and they were on the ice for five minutes. That's fucking impressive. I don't know how they... And, and they were the cause for the only two five-on-five goals against the Flyers in that game. Uh, and I... Yeah, I'm just done with Nate Thompson. And honestly, I, I think the solution is either you put Grant... At 4C and Lawton at 3C, or you put Lawton at 4C. Because, um, I mean, I love Lawton. He hasn't been doing much this series. And also, if you want to kind of spread out the wealth, putting him at 4C wouldn't be the end of the world. And also, if you bring back another forward, the fourth line could be JVR, Scott Lawton, and Pitlick, which, uh, you know, I don't even know how that sounds. I don't even know what to think about that line. But as a fourth line, again, that's not the worst option. I, I'm fine with Bunneman, yeah. but let's I fucking... If we're going to start playing real hockey again, let's put a forward out there that is like a 25-goal scorer. Like, like let's get JVR in the bottom six. 
we toyed around with max defense, you know, throw out all the fourth liners and we played that game. Let's play some real hockey. Yeah. And like, I think at this point in time, the, the Habs are just going to, I think last night was just the Habs saying, fuck it, we got to win a game. So they started taking more offensive chances and they had a couple. I think the first goal last night was a design play. I've been, I've watched it a bunch of times and I can't quite tell if Mete meant to, the shorthanded goal where Mete dumped it in, it hit off the boards funny and then came out to our me on front i think they plan that i don't know it looks like mete is eyeing up a shot on heart and then readjusts his like focus a half a second before he shoots it and our is already cut to the inside before the puck hits the boards and it caught sandheim off guard and then uh the suspension boy took his real sweet ass time getting back on the back check there so i hope bad on that one. montreal is really pushing for this niskanen suspension fucking go ahead take him out can you take him out for the next series too because like he hasn't shown up i don't know why they're so uh, like he's it's not like he's been lighting the world on fire he wasn't the only reason why they got shut out in games right. three and four like there's so many other I like, like if Provorov or Sanheim or Myers are coming out, then I'm worried. Th- that's but, a bigger loss. Yeah, the yeah. way Niskanen's played, it's like if you're talking Niskanen from the regular season, that's a huge loss. But we already lost him at this point. I don't know what's up. I, you know, some guys just haven't really reached that that gear that they had since they came back in the bubble. And Niskanen's one of those guys. He just has not looked the same. And yep. I would be OK with him getting a game off to kind of get I his bearing straight. Kind of figure it out. He's yeah. suspended. Yeah, I, yeah, and I mean, hey, if you can reunite maybe, uh, you know, Provi and Sanheim for the nice pairing or... Well, that's uh, that's what the question is now, and I forget. I'm going to pull Ghost, this up. You know, wanna... <laughs> well, no, I think the question is... And I know is... Ghost hasn't looked the best, but I mean, you know, Provorov's a guy who could actually, like, carry the load there defensively, uh, which he's been doing. He hasn't been amazing in the series, but he's, you know, he's still one of the Flyers' best defenders. So the question is... Sandheim and Myers has been fine. They've actually been playing well. They haven't dropped off from where they were in the regular season. Do you break them up? Do you break them up or do you give them more minutes? I lean towards make them kind of the 1A pair and then Provorov drags I'm totally fine else. with that. Yeah, so that's what my idea is. is You keep Sandheim and Myers, you keep Hag and Braun and keep them as a third pair, but then you make the second pair Provorov dragging along Ghost at 5-on-5. Five five. And I say dragging along Ghost because... I don't have a lot of confidence in him right now. Provorov and Ghost works in the past. They worked a lot. They worked pretty well as a top pair in 2017-18. Uh, but, like, you know, Ghost has had some crappy games. And I think, to me, because I, I don't know why no more people don't want to talk about this, Bronze fucking sucked. He's the reason everyone's yelling at each other about Hag and Ghost and who's better and who should be on the third pair. I'm, I'm saying at this point in time, we need to try that as a pair. Because this entire round robin and the first round against Canadians... Every single time Hag or Ghost has been on the ice, they've had a pretty bad goal against, and then the people that are anti whoever the other defense are like, oh, I guess you should stay in the lineup then. It's like, well, maybe Braun should fucking stay in position and help out. Because every single time, all that happens is they get pinned in the zone, Braun gets giddy, like anxious that he's got to play defense or something, and flies over to whatever side of the ice the puck is, and then Ghost and Hag are like, all right, I don't know what you're doing. And then they sit up in front, and they got to end up blocking multiple passing lanes, and the puck goes in off them. Like, it's happened... That's it's happened three times. It's happened three times. And that play last night, Braun gets fucking turned around at the Canadians blue line. They know the pucks. Hag's already back skating and at the red line. And Braun is already turned around and bolting because he's already behind the play. 
And then when he gets in, and the you best... say bolting, but that's not especially fast. No, no, that's it, it's yeah, it's brawn bolt. So you're moving like three miles per hour. But then when he gets back in the defensive zone where he's supposed to be, he tries to stop and can't and gets way out of position. And then he doesn't get behind the net in time. So that whole play is caused because he's slow and they have to get back on the back check. And that's why I don't like Hagger Braun, but I can't really say I like Ghost or Braun either because they run into the same fucking issue. It's like Ghost and Braun, you can't play right now. Hag and Braun have been. They don't give up a ton of goals, at least. I don't know. Like, And I say that, too, but the whole thing with Hagen Braun before the pause was they deserved to get scored on a lot. Like, they were getting caved in nightly. They had horrible underlying numbers, and they weren't really doing anything to help prevent the goals. And it was kind of a thing, like, let's milk this while we can before the bad luck turns. And now it kind of feels a little bit like the bad luck might be turning because they actually pushed play last night. They had a 57.89 core at 4 percentage, 11 shot attempts, 4-8 against. Won the shot count 5-3, to three, almost broke even and expected goals 4 percentage, but they were out there for a goal against because of that shitty play by Braun. So now I'm worried that they might actually start pushing play now, and then they're going to get all the bad luck they deserve in the regular season. But we'll see We'll see if that comes about. But the, I, I think you got to go pro Ralph Ghost, and I'm not saying that like Ghost is going to go in there and tear it up right away. I'm saying that like we know Ghost and Braun have sucked ass in this series. And we know Hag and Braun can be passable. And if you have Sandheim and Myers already, you can lean into them for a couple more minutes, and then you can hope for Rolf is able to drag Ghost around at 5-5. Five and, five. and honestly, Ghost may just look better because he's only been playing with Braun since February. Like, he's only And they been can't play together. Like, they can't, <laughs> every no, they time really we see can't. these two guys together, they just... It should work. On paper, it 100% should work. Aesthetically, it, it looks like it not. should. It, yeah, like, you would... Th- you're like, all right, that makes sense. Ghost has some offensive creativity. He's got some moves. They'll get out. They'll maneuver out some stuff. But they, I feel like they have a worse time getting out of the zone or get pinned in the zone more than Hag and Braun, which to me is mind-blowing. And that's not even like... It's not even all Hag. I mean, I, it's mainly just Braun that I'm pissed with now. But like this, the, Hag and Braun just don't move the puck out of the D zone. So for Ghost and Braun to look even worse is just... I, I mean, the way, the way Braun's playing right now, it looks like he's got rocks in his skates like he's just oh my god yeah struggling to get back there and cover the defensive zone like every time the play is going the other way it's like <sighs> like and again i i you know obviously he can skate faster than me but uh <laughs> it's not it's not inspiring it's not. to see especially given how fast the montreal canadians have been in this series i mean they've no. been speedy as shit and they're just blowing around the flyers defense sometimes yeah. like that was it I'm trying to remember which goal it was. The one where Braun and Haig were just like completely like the doy and left Carter Hart out to hang. The, la- the just, last one. It, the the last, last one. Yeah. yeah it yeah. was just, Oh God, just did not. It was, it was just, just a bad mis- miscommunication, but I feel like Braun's been having miscommunications with Hag, And I feel like he's been having miscommunications with ghost. And right now it's the Santa and Myers have been playing forever. Pro Ralph Niskan have been playing forever. Right now it's the weird added situation of breaking up uh consistent pairs so like pro rough and sandheim like if you put pro rough and ghost together and it ain't working um then do pro rough and sandheim i'm saying for game six at least try and keep two of the pairs the same and just hope that ghost plays the best game he's had in a minute and is able to to you know keep his head above water with pro rough is i guess the way i'm looking at it uh and honestly again with the, that pair worked well in 2017-18 um and I'm not saying, you know, they're going to pick up right where they left off, but there is a belief that if you need them for a game or two, 
they're not going to shit the bed and bring down the team. So that's where I'm coming from. Not really about, like, let's give Ghost another chance, because I know, you know, I, I'm aware I'm, you know, this is fly purpley, and we're representing Broad Street Hockey. That's the usual thing that goes down that path. But, you know, I'm saying let's... I want to keep two of the same pairs that have been working, that have helped, you know, get two shutouts and then a third game where we held the Canadians to a goal. Like, that's what I think they should do. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I agree with you, and it's... Again, it's not a pretty pairing, but no. it does get the it does get the goal accomplished for the most part. And Sanheim Myers has been just very good. So yeah, yeah. I mean Ivan Brovroff's your best defenseman, and that's what he's here to prove when he And I, I I'm like the number one ghost fan and I'm saying this, so that's Yeah, I'm no, that's, that's it's, it's weird. It's been a weird season, but like I really like Hag most of the time. Like last year. Last year, Hag was absolutely fucking terrible. Like, last, there's no point in time I think any like normal person should have defended Hag. Like, this year, I get it, because he is... His role is a defensive defenseman, and he does that. To me, that's not good enough, because he's not doing anything else anywhere on the ice. But if he's going to break even in goals for and against, I don't really fucking care if he's a third-pairing guy. And given this, like, this situation, if he just... If him and Braun just break even on Friday, I don't care how ugly it is, if they break even and the Flyers win the series... That's all they had to do. It's going to be a weird game. Niskanen, even though he's played like shit, plays all the time. So it's going to be... It's, you're going to need somebody to have to step up on Friday. And it's going to it's gonna have to be... I'm not thinking Friedman. I don't think anybody should be thinking Friedman right here. Even with the argument of handedness, which, Steve, I know that's the first place you always go to. Like, how do we get... I was actually about to ask you. No, absolutely not. No. I, okay. So because that would mean... Mark Friedman is a, a hard no from Craig. Yeah. So Because either because I I think the biggest thing to me right now is keeping the Sanheim Myers pair together. Uh, so if you were to put Friedman Sanheim in, I think Myers. you'd have to move <laughs> for overall felt with Myers, which... Again, not the worst idea, but then, like, I don't want Braun in the top six. I don't want Braun... Oh, I don't want Braun in the top six. I don't want Braun in the top four, but I also don't want to try <laughs> Freeman in the top four in a fucking playoff game. So, and that's not really... Again, I mean, like, Freeman just I mean, isn't there right now. Big Al just threw Connor Bunneman in there for shits yeah, and giggles, but, so it's... Um, yeah, I, yeah, it's fair, I guess. I don't know. But that's also... I don't know. There, yeah. I did not like the lineup for that last game. I, I thought that was just too much tinkering and the attempt to to really you know put it the works. grinders in there it worked in game three and then i think the canadians were like well they're gonna do this we're gonna load up the top the top couple units and then get chance and that's what they did they just kind of opened up the game yesterday and they they put together the top line but i think yeah i they gotta switch it up drew can't be in the bottom six and uh, i think raffles gotta go back in the bottom six and i think I would drop down Grant and put Lawton on three C, or make Lawton four C and Grant three C. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I want to get back to Duncan on Brown real quick. No, I think oh, you're look, good, you're as good. good as Scott Lawton was working in the round robin games, and he was great with that. That, that second line was tremendous in those, and they yep. just have not worked out. I mean, if, yeah, Kevin Hayes had too. some really good opportunities in in game, uh, game five. Yeah, but he couldn't, you know finish any of them connect hasn't really been himself this series either yeah so this is going to get into my next point but no you're right they, i mean that hasn't been um because somebody was tweeting at me about Charulu last night so i wrote this all down um but like the whole thing is drew hasn't been exactly the greatest this series but the whole thing with that is for years drew is always the first name people throw out there and it's because he never has depth in the past and then usually goaltending 
defense and coaching decisions let him down. And I don't know if you guys watched Game 5 last night, but uh, does that sound familiar? Because that's kind of what happened last night. In a game where Giroux had two assists to set up a lead for the Flyers, and then everybody else kind of fucked it up. But that's why it's annoying. Last night was I saw a lot of stuff about Giroux. But here's how I'm going to lay it out. He's... But Craig, he didn't <laughs> score goals. Eggs, that's kind of the, the thing. aren't points. That's the, th- I think that's the big disconnect too with Drew haters is they're kind of like, they kind of get everything he's done for the franchise and they're like, yeah, but why does he score goals? It's like, because that's not what he does. Like, there's just dudes that just do nothing but set up other people. And when Drew is just feeding the puck to Voracek at the side of the net for goals, I'm taking that. It's a goal for the Flyers. I don't care what it's goal. Like, I don't know. That's still a play that helped the Flyers. But, okay, so. I will never forget. I will never forget when Yarmir Yager started his Flyers career. And he was just like, I think through the first like seven games, he didn't have a goal, but he had like a bunch of assists. I remember and that. everybody's like, well, why hasn't Yager scored? I'm like, who gives a shit? He's, <laughs> he's getting points. Yeah. That's my thing too. Is like, it's not just like Drew's like not even both those goals were created because of Drew's cross size passes. Like Vorchek had a good shot on one of them, but Drew sold a shot. And got Suzuki to stand still in the slot and then pass it over to Voracek to slam it home. That's a lot of Giroux. The second goal, too, he fed one cross ice high to low and hit Voracek on the other side of the, po- on the uh, far post. And then Voracek made a nice move to get Carey Price to fall. And I think I think that puck was going in, even if Girard didn't put it in. I think Couturier was going to be there and put it in. But Couturier... Okay, so here, here's my the point I'm going to make. Giroux was one of four guys... Uh, Finished fourth on the Flyers with 21 goals this year. Team had five people score with 19 goals or more. JVR couldn't break the 20-goal mark, so that was a nice clean stat. But Konechny had 24. Led the team with 24. So far in this postseason, zero goals on 12 shots, 30 shot attempts, three assists. Hayes, 23 goals during the regular season. Zero goals on 20 shots and 31 shot attempts, five assists. Couturier, 22 goals during the regular season. Zero goals on 13 shots and 30 shot attempts, five assists. Giroux, zero goals on 18 shots and 35 shot attempts, four assists. JVR, who we know has been getting benched in a lot less high time, but still 19 goals during the regular season, zero goals on nine shots and 15 shot attempts, zero assists. So those, your five main goal scorers all pretty much haven't fucking produced. None of them. Not a one of them. But the one name people just seem to be able to throw up every single time that anything goes wrong with the Flyers is Giroux. And again... I'm not saying he's playing well. I'm not saying he's playing at the best of his capabilities, but team has eight goals. He's been involved in a lot of them, and it's been a very tight defensive series. And he's played a, he played a role in that game three. He mucked up on the third line with fucking Grant Lawton, and they won the possession battle and kept the Canadians off the scoreboard. So, like, he's... I know he could be doing more. You kind of want to get more air cats and all that bullshit. But, like, if you're going to talk about Drew not producing, talk about how the entire pretty much top six... Is not producing. I don't. Where is the bashing of Konechny? I love Konechny. I was waiting to see Konechny in the playoff series. Zero goals so far, and like he's had a couple close calls, but like he's a guy that if he's not scoring goals, he could end up being a defensive liability for you. So like he's kind of got to produce. Katoria is getting chances. He keeps not quite getting that net mouth play where they, especially on the power play, they throw it in front and they're looking for that tap in or like that bumper play in front, and he can't quite put it home. I think he's knocking the door. Hayes, like you said, Hayes looked invisible to me for the first four games, and then last night he looked like a fucking monster. So I'm hoping Friday he just busts out of the gate and gets two goals, and he just puts this series to sleep. 
I would love for that second power play unit to do anything. And uh, yeah. For the love of God, can we get Derek Grant off of the power play? Yeah, and, I don't NAK know. What, and like, I don't know what that let's put that. some skill players on the second power play unit. Yeah, I, well, see, like NAK on well, NAK is hurt now, but like NAK to me on the second power play makes sense. Like he he could be I guess. or like Gallagher, I, like he's an asshole that can just sit in front and cause problems like that. But yeah. like Grant, like Grant, a bottom, I don't but know, bottom I, six I mean, center? the thing is like. NAK's like passing isn't that good, which is I think what gets me there oh, when okay. he actually gets the But like Grant, I, I don't know what the hell he's doing there. Grant, like I I looked up and I saw Derek Grant and I'm like, why? <laughs> yeah, I don't that one that one I don't really get either. But uh well let's talk about the power play real quick. So they figured it out last night. Um ended in eighteen power play drought. Uh they scored in game one. Of course uh, Drew had the primary or one assist, don't talk about that though. Uh but they ended the. They got three power play goals last night, but then at the same time they gave up a shorthanded goal to Armia, so it wasn't all that great. But the goals, I mean, they have to start moving Price side to side, like connecting on that cross cross ice one timer. Because if you put all these bodies in front, he's got to track the cross ice pass and then try and line it up and stop it. And I think he could have been over there for that forecheck one timer, but Sharat made sure it went in. But that's exactly what they did on that first goal was Drew pass across the the slot. There were five bodies that Price had to look through to find the pass and then line up for Voracek's uh, shot. And then the second power play goal was the same type of thing. Drew threw it over to Voracek down low. Price kind of freaked out, and when Voracek cut back to his left, Price just flopped to the ice. So I think if he had, Voracek could have held onto it for another second or just hit Couturier in front, and they would have been getting a goal either way. And then the last thing that they did for Farabee's goal, which I think you're going to see a lot more of, was Farabee found a soft spot in front. Voracek lobbed a pass in front, like just saucered one about knee high in front, and Farabee directed it in. Like they, Weber and Sherrod just kind of let Farabee get to that spot. Voracek nonchalantly just lobbed it up, and they had it, they, they batted it in. So I think they might start trying to do that too, because they tried it on the first power play and they just missed. But it, it, Farabee's getting in front. Farabee. I, I think we're all going to love Farabee. Yeah, pretty sure they. Oh, yeah. There's really nothing to hate about Farabee's game. Uh, I know he hasn't been have. He doesn't have the best underlying numbers this series, but there's really. I test. I, I can't really bitch him out about Farabee that much. And also, I mean, he puts the puck at the back of the net. He actually shoots. Yeah, yeah. That's that's pretty Shoot. much. <laughs> and uh, I'm looking at. It does feel like I hate to agree with the shoot guys, but it does feel like the Flyers are trying to get too fancy, and you know. Greasy goal, still a goal. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, is like I, on the power play, I, 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 I was kind of believing the theory of like they should keep using the double screen, and then you kind of had the wings collapse for rebounds. The cross ice theory one, I if they can connect on it, which they were last night a bunch, and if they get that Farabee play down, I think they have an answer to, to at least maybe get something out of the power play for the rest of the series. That's last night's loss wasn't fun, but there is some encouraging shit for it, like. Hart being bad is not really encouraging, but it was the second game in a back-to-back, and before that, he got back-to-back shutouts. So I'm thinking when he comes back rested, he's going to be a handful for the Canadians again. Power play is the reason, one of the biggest reasons why this series is close, because the Canadians are giving the Flyers a bunch of power plays, and the Flyers can't capitalize, and they're breaking even at 5-on-5. Five five. So if they could, you know, games three and four could look like easier wins if the power play did anything. But now that they're on the scoreboard, I, I think... I think they're kind of over... They're not going to be gripping their sticks too tightly or whatever the fuck kind of old cliche narrative you want to throw out there. You know what I'm saying? But, um, like, I... Last night sucked, but I, I think... I'm still not freaking out about 
everything overall. The only thing that scares me is Price really hasn't stolen a game yet. So, fucking, he can steal two games, and then that could be the series. But I just don't, I don't think that's going to be going on. I don't know. I think the Canadians are too well to trade chances to cater to their game more. And I think uh, that Myers goal kind of lets me think that maybe Price isn't, I don't know. Again, that was a, like a, a game and a half ago, but. I mean, the, the Canadians have also played their hearts out in pretty much every game, and they only had one game that they, they won by a substantial margin. Like, they are playing about as well as I think they can play, and it's just barely enough. No, that's what that's why I'm not, like, like games three and four, when they had Gallagher, uh, I know those games score-wise weren't great, but I really, like, game three, the highlight they kept showing for, like, the Habs' best scoring chance was Pete, a Petri shot from the point through traffic that Hart still saved. But it happened to hit the post. Like, that was the highlight where they're like, man, could have been a different game. I was like, that's, your, that's the best scoring chance you got for them was that a point shot that happened to hit the post. Like, it wasn't, like that, it wasn't, again, like the Nate Thompson miss of a wide open net. There, there's, nobody has done that yet for the Canadians. It's pretty much just been, like, them hitting posts off of play, like, plays that the Flyers have given them. So I... Now they're going to lose their biggest offensive the generator. So It hit the post. It's as good as a goal. <laughs> yeah, it counts. Yeah, it's got to get on the net. They're now, IOUs. They? They're just as good as cash. <laughs> Can I? I'm going to go back to dunking on Braun because I was looking at the goal totals uh, so far. Before five you five. dunk on Braun, yeah, before me. you dunk on Braun, I just wanted to say, I, I just don't know how the Canadians are going to recover without having a guy to smash watermelons pregame. You know, that's going to be smash those watermelons. I don't I don't. Who's going to pick up that torch? I mean, is it going to be Suzuki? Is it going to be Kaki I, I don't know. I mean, and that's the and the watermelon smash. It's got to be Suzuki, right? Because he had that that little pat on Carter mm. Hart's head like a jackass. Yeah, well, yeah. Like, let's talk about that. He's got to be putting the boards next game. He should have been putting the boards right after that. I don't know what the fuck that shit was. I know. I love Danny Beer for doing it in 20, 2011, but uh, fuck Nick Suzuki. I don't like. You're not there yet, and also. Like uh, you he tried should... to play coy with it too. He tried to be like, "Oh, did I do that? Yeah, did I do and, that?" Yeah, uh, cool. <laughs> and that's and that's cute and adorable and everything. But also, like maybe he was saying thank you for the shutouts in back to back games because like that still happened in this series, and you still got to go out there on Friday. So like I, I don't know. They he'll he'll get what's coming to him. So I mean, maybe not. I, I know a lot but... of people. I know a lot of people are acting like the sky is falling right now, but no, they're still not. up three to two in the series and. Yeah, let's still the more talent. Let's talk about that real quick. Let's talk about everybody fucking bitching and wimping out when it was a three to two game, and then Hart gave up that goal that was a non-goal Suzuki. And everybody's like, "Well, see you in game six. The the series finally opened up, and it was a two goal deficit in the second. And everybody was like, "Oh man, I guess it's gonna take six games." And then it was a one goal game, and people were still bummed. What the fuck was that about? Why did everybody just give up? <laughs> I don't know. Like people gave up. They were ready to just, uh, you know, throw Carter Hart to the wolves and the entire team could just go down and yeah, it was insane. I like, I it was insane. Like I know the emotions are high and I know people are, you know, extra emotional with quarantine and COVID and everything and been losing their goddamn minds, but let's try to have a little perspective. So, okay. So yeah, you're right. Um, but also I was going to say, cause we were talking about it before. So the hard decision to keep Hart in there, I I mean, it's easy to say now with the results, but I thought he should have pulled him because it felt like a... That goal felt like a 
point in time where you should be pulling the goalie. Maybe not entirely because it's Hart's fault, even though that wasn't that would have been a second not so great goal of the game. I, I might have to go back. And not watch so again. great, but it did deflect off of Provorov's stick a little. Oh, bit. okay, okay. So okay, in that case, it's still a four-to-two game where things aren't going right, and he's still sending a message by getting another goalie out there. And the Flyers got the benefit of the doubt. He could have still pulled him and then had the three to two deficit. So then you kind of wake up the team and it's only a one goal game. Like I thought that was the way it could have worked out, but like I'm also saying that now a day later, knowing that they lost, I just I it felt like Hart I did was find a that off. I don't know. He had some I, I bad rebounds. A little control. off, but yeah. so I thought he was a little off, but at the same time, like it, I wouldn't have even considered pulling him at that point. Maybe if it reached like five or something like that. But I just think sometimes you got to let a young goalie work through this, especially if he's the guy. Yeah. Uh, that said, what I found extra unusual about this is that all indications where he was getting pulled and then only because the goal was called back, he, he wasn't pulled. That is I, why it's weird. I think that was, yeah. Like, I think that That's my problem made it, with it worse. Like, yeah. If he had pulled him still, I would have totally gotten it. But just not to not pull him after that, I don't know. That's not yeah. the greatest like vote of confidence. Not not Big Al's best Flyers game for sure. No, and that's why I think like that was the first game where I think we saw. I, I think the AV honeymoon maybe isn't over, but I think I saw some people kind of questioning. You know, like maybe every decision he makes isn't isn't golden. I think to me, I think too the the back to back plays into it a little bit though, because that wouldn't really been like he would have been a little bit off and it would have made sense because he was playing back to back games in the postseason. So like if you put him at that point in time, I don't think he would have I don't think it would have been damaging really to his psyche. It would have just been I don't know. I mean he could have taken that that way, you're right. I just I think that's just more like goalies. It's the same thing in like uh in game two when they pulled him after the fourth goal. It's kind of not really entirely your fault. It's just you don't deserve to keep taking it anymore. Oh, game, game two is an abject disaster, though. So, like, I totally agree with that call. That thing was just terrible. But this one was... This was, this was a close game. The Flyers were not playing bad, necessarily. They just weren't as tight as they've been. Right. I was going to say, it could have served as, like, a reminder to be like, hey, get your shit in order. Like, just tighten it up. That's the way I'm looking at it. Not like... I don't know. Because it was... They were getting sloppy there towards the end of the second period. And it could have been... Like, if that Suzuki goal counts, I mean, it kind of felt like the, the Canadians were clicking at that time. That could have easily become, like, it could have gotten worse before it got better. So that's why, like, looking at it, knowing that he got lucky with it, it felt weird for him to kind of leave hard in. Now, my question for you is, oh, considering it was a back-to-back game, I, I saw... Th- so here's oh, yeah. the thing. Yeah, let's I get saw this the too. opinion, <laughs> but didn't actually see the opinion that... Elliot should have started. Like I saw a lot of people saying, like, uh, is Elliot starting? Most of it was, of course, Elliot isn't starting. Carter Hart starting. You have back-to-back shutouts, and he's yeah. your starter in the playoffs. But it, somewhere, somewhere, I don't know where, the idea got started that Brian Elliot would start that game instead of Carter Hart because it was back-to-backs, or at least like the hint of the idea and i never even considered that before nope. i saw that because it's just the playoffs and i i certainly wouldn't have done it but do you think that would have been a good idea i think that would have been highly unusual personally. no it's like you just said it's the playoffs like regular season never want them playing back-to-backs but i mean carter hart is your starting goalie i would lean that way no matter what like whoever your starting goalie is but also like you just said 
got back-to-back fucking shutouts in this series, and you're playing the same team again, so why would you not keep going back to that well? Like, I, to me, there was never any thought that LA should have started that game. And, I mean, even now, knowing what the result is, I'm not going to sit here and be like, well, I was thinking Elliot. But, like, no, it was 100% like Carter Hart was starting that game no matter what to me. I thought the, the, the concept of that idea even coming up was so bizarre and that so many people were talking about it. Like, But, again, I never saw a person actually say they expected that right. or it was going to happen. I didn't see that anywhere. It was just I kind of like of people... the, yeah, the response of people being like, uh, to answer your question, yes, Hart is starting tonight. Like, shit like that. <laughs> Where, like, people yeah, like, I mean, yeah. just like, or like me, it was just like, where did this come from? I, I don't, <laughs> I just, I was baffled by it, completely baffled. Yeah. No, I mean, no, I, I think, it, I, I felt like everybody was thinking hard yesterday, but I'm sure there were some people that were, I mean, if people were thinking that, I think some people are, I, I, I said this half series wasn't going to be, it wasn't going to be fun. You know, I, I expect the Flyers to win. I picked them in five, but, and I think some other, I think Charlie said he picked them in six, so like, you know, it was supposed to be a tough, ugly series, but the Flyers were supposed to kind of be in control. Maybe I think some people chalked up the Canadians to be more of a cakewalk, and, uh, they, you know, putting in the backup goalie to start a game maybe isn't that big of a deal when you're playing. Uh, I don't know, but it's still the playoffs. Like, you need... It doesn't matter it's who... playoffs, you're, baby. You can't... Yeah, it doesn't matter who you play and no matter what. you got to put your best your best talent out there. So, And speaking of putting your best talent out there, well, can I get to these goal totals? Put your best talent out there, like Connor Bunneman. Connor Bunneman or, uh, you know, you, you really push the Connor Bunneman. Let's let's push to Justin Braun. I'm going back to the Justin Braun. I don't have anything. Justin Braun has played in, like, every game. Yeah. He's Bunneman, a, a Bunneman sure should fi- be coming out. I think Bunneman Surefire verified out. starter, whereas <laughs> Bunneman is, like, a guy who barely made the bubble team. Well, so, like, like I think... I, I, think the, I just didn't see a point to put him in. Like, well, Braun, the problem I didn't is, see a full yeah. reason to pull him. The, the problem is, is NAK, I think NAK is hurt, and we, we'll never know because they can't really... Spe- Besides Gallagher's jaw, which apparently Montreal had no problem sharing the details on that. They haven't been sharing injury details, so um, NAK blocks... X-rays, they've got, you know, they've got cameras going into his mouth. They're going to have a live <laughs> surgery cam. Yeah, well, yeah. until until they announce the Niskanen suspension. And then once that happens, he'll be, he'll be in the next game with a uh, full shield on, but... Uh, NAK in game three, he blocked two shots, and the second shot he took a Jeff Petrie slap shot to the top of his right foot, laid on the ground, and then he had to be helped up by Niskanen. Niskanen, by the way, didn't cross check him in the face, but he did help him up with the ice and he got him off. So, like, I think Niskanen is just, or NAK is just uh, hurt, which kind of hurts the argument of taking Bunneman out. I mean, you put JVR in instead of Bunneman. I mean, that's the answer. So, there you go. But the problem is, uh, I think everybody wants Thompson out, too. And uh, they really only have they, they really have Jen, JVR at their expense right now. I think that's my guess. I don't. Th- I think NAK is hurt uh, based on how he left the ice on Sunday and the fact he hasn't played since. Um, and yeah, so I'm uh, looking. Uh, all right, back to Braun. I'm going. Go, I'm going to go one more time back to Braun. Looking at these goal totals. Before you go back to Braun, <laughs> I believe. We have some news, some breaking news, even though this will be old news by the time you listen to this. Uh, Flyers defenseman Matt Niskanen has been suspended one playoff game for cross-checking. One. Canadians forward Brendan the Watermelon Gallagher during <laughs> the third period of Wednesday's Game 5 okay. of the first-round series. So, initial reaction is, that's a huge break for the Flyers. And it feels... God, the Flyers better fuck one this series. If the Flyers get the unfortunate benefits of Claude Julian's health and now Brennan Gallagher being out for the rest of the series, and you only lose Niskanen for a game. 
that's embarrassing. Like, they have to close it out now. Uh, and now knowing that they only have to experiment for Friday's game, yeah, they, they have to win this series. There, there's no excuse that they lose this series. They should win it on Friday, but if they somehow lose these next two games, uh, it's going to be a lot of explaining to do. So that, that was good breaking news, though. I'm glad that was, uh, <laughs> that was, that was worth noting. Because uh, uh, I really thought he was going to be gone the next two. I thought it was just going to be series for series. And the Flyers would have still benefited from that. But uh, I can't believe we only got one. It is I'll the playoff. It. Yeah, I mean, it is the playoffs, too. So, like, everything kind of gets, you know, you could literally murder a guy out there and they'd be like, ah, nine? I don't know. So, like, I guess it makes sense that they only got, you only got the one. So. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and hopefully, this defenseman, Justin Brown, won't be picking up his slack. Steve, if I may, can I talk about these goal differentials? <laughs> can I follow you? Okay. Uh, so for the series, Justin Brown has been on the ice for three Flyers goals at 5-on-5 five five and five goals against. Uh, he's the only player with five goals against at 5-on-5. Five five. Faraby has been on the ice for three goals against. However, he's also been on the ice for three goals for and has been putting the puck in the net himself on special teams. Uh Hag has been on the ice for three goals against, but he's also Braun's, like he's been uh, Hag's, uh, or I mean uh, Braun's partner, and he also has been on the ice for a goal four. And then uh, Thompson is also one for three, and we've been bitching around about Nate Thompson uh, all day too. So uh, nobody else has been on the ice for more than, uh, everybody else has been on the ice for only two goals against or less. So it's those four players that have seen uh, three goals against or more at five and five, and uh, only Braun has been on the ice for five. Uh, five and five goals against. So again, I'm thinking maybe it's not the question is it hag or ghost. It might be what about Braun? Uh, and then looking at the other end for guys that have been stepping up. Uh, let's talk about Jake Voracek. Voracek, three goals, four at five and five, zero goals against at five and five. Zero. He's been on the ice for zero five and five goals for the Canadians. And also the game he played last night, he was a fucking monster. Uh, two goals, had an assist, and also. Uh, Bear hugged Weber and almost choked him out. 
So like all that, oh my God. you checked he, all the, you check off all those. But I'm, I want, I'm glad Pitchjack is here. Like I, Voracek was the player of the game before he did that to Shea Weber, and then he was 100 <laughs> the player of the game. The top, like that really yeah. solidified it. Just like, I, jumping yeah. Shea Weber. That's. I mean that that man could throw you like a dart into space. But that is that is a brave move. No, I am here no, for good. It. I like it. Fuck him. I mean, this whole thing, the whole narrative has been, oh, Shea Weber's so scary. The fucking throw him around a little bit. I don't care. Ch- choke him. That's fine. Let him know. Like he's whole... got a slap shot that could go through a Kevlar vest. <laughs> like if we're gonna have to hear about like poor old little Gallagher, you know, so innocent and he couldn't do anything about this and cross check. Well, then fucking fuck around with Shea Weber. He's been getting away with chief shots all series, so I don't care. Shea Weber's actually five Montreal Canadiens <laughs> put together Voltron style to make one giant Canadian. What were you going for a certain voice there? Uh, kind of going for the Bill Brasky. <laughs> yeah, okay. Say... Bill Brasky's a son of a bitch. Uh, four three-point games in the regular season for Jake. First ever three-point playoff game. Uh, he had three two-assist playoff games before. Uh, Two helpers in the game two, eight to five win over Pittsburgh in back in 2012. That was the double hat trick game. Two assists in the game six win of that series, the five one win against Pittsburgh. And then he had two in the uh, game one, four to three overtime win against the Devils in the next series. Uh, so he hasn't been throwing up points in the postseason uh, in a minute. Um, but uh, he's fucking showing up in this series. Uh, so I, you know, and I this year was saying it looked like Borchek starting to lose it a little. Uh, never really questioned his uh, effort or anything, which is like the main thing people go after him for. But that's another thing to look forward to. If we're getting pissed off Jake in game six, curtains. Like, if we have Hayes knocking on the door, Voracek's going to be shot out of a cannon, and they don't have Gallagher. Uh, and Hart's going to have more time to take his naps, too. Like, you know, I, I'm feeling pretty good to get out of game six. And this can end aside, I feel, you know, I, I feel like uh, they should be able to close it out on. They should close it out on Friday, man. I, they can't. I don't know. They it's love all this about team. Those goalie naps at the end of the day. It's, it's all as yeah. Long as the goalies get enough naps, they're Which, good to go. Whichever, yeah, whichever goalie got in their nippy naps before the game, like they're they're golden. With with Voracek and just like that play like that, games like that, I always think back to I forget who the opponent was, but I went to this one game. It might have been the Devils, but I don't know. Uh, where I went to this Flyers game, obviously Flyers game, with uh, a couple buddies of mine. And Voracek through like the first two periods, maybe just looked like shit that day. And like, we're just saying to each other, like, what is he hung over? Is he drunk? What's going on? He looks terrible. (laughs) And then he had like a monster end of the game, like monster third. And we started chanting, uh, he's not that drunk. He's not that drunk. (laughs) And, uh, my buddy texted me that last night. while uh, Voracek was, (laughs) was lighting it up. That's pretty good. <laughs> He's not that drunk. He's not Maybe that that's drunk. Maybe I, I don't know. There is a lot of... I fucking hate using the word, but there are some, like, inconsistency. I, I don't know. There are nights where, like, it seems like Voracek did a couple bumps of cocaine and the other nights where he's just not there. Like, there are nights where he's just flying through the neutral zone and setting up people for chances, and then other nights you're like, can't hit a fucking pass to save his life. I don't know what it is, but I... If he, um, some nights you get Scarface and some nights you get Michael Corleone. <laughs> no, it's no in between. But if he's gonna do it in the postseason, fucking, that's fine by me. I think he's looked. I thought these looked pretty good this series. He's doing a lot of the, uh, the shit you need to do. He's getting to the front of the net and just having pucks hit him too, which is like, 
Maybe, maybe scent of a woman's the better you know it's just like just going oh and that's the entire movie it's not really like a good performance but it's there yeah you uh you want to get your uh, albertino in there you got a great ace got a clown with a fingernails Oh, uh, shit, we're gonna, we're, this is, uh, yeah, good old Al Pacino. Now that we got Al Pacino back into it, I'm feeling good about Friday. This is what yeah, we, we need. Yeah, we, we haven't need done to, the Al Pacino. Yeah, we haven't busted that puppy out a minute, and it's been... Caca Roach. <laughs> uh, what what other... a performance. Uh, Drew, uh, Drew and Couture had two assist games as well. Drew, 19th career Gosh, multi-point playoff terrible. game. Yeah, stripped the C. First since he had three points, a goal and two helpers, in game six against the Rangers in the 2014 Eastern Conference quarterfinals. Uh, 20 playoff games. Uh, it's been 20 playoff games between multi-point ga- uh, postseason games. And then including the round robin games, he's now gone nine straight playoff games without a goal, dating back to the opening goal in the Flyers' game six win over Pittsburgh in 2018. Uh, Couture, second multi-point game this season. Uh, this postseason, had two assists against uh, the Lightning in the round robin. Five career multi-point playoff games. <laughs> and when you look at them, it's a real fucking shame this guy hasn't even, like, played in the conference final. Uh, five points in Game 6 loss in a Game 6 loss on a torn MCL. A uh, hat-trick and two assists uh, back in 2018 against the Penguins. Three points, one goal and two assists in Game 2, which was also a win against Pittsburgh uh, back in 2018. Or was a win. Uh, and then four points where he had the hat-trick and the helper in Game 2 uh, against the Penguins back in 2012. So, uh, yeah, again, Couturier, like, it's not that he's playing bad. It's just he's not finishing. Like, that's the, th- and it looks like that's thankfully become Hayes' problem now and not just being kind of invisible out there in uh, in the tighter games. But, like, last night, Hayes was all over the place, and Hayes got legitimate chances and got robbed twice by Price. He should have had a shorthanded goal last night. Uh, that was a pretty good glow save by Price. And he created that opportunity, and uh, that's going to be the other thing. If the Canadians open it up, we're going to see a lot of these guys that have kind of been kept quiet for throughout the series, probably start producing for the Flyers as well. So, like, if the Flyers have more overall talent, in my opinion, so if the Canadians want to open it up and go blow for blow, I, I I like the Flyers in that game, too. I don't know. We're seeing now the Flyers can play in a way where they just take literally any level of excitement out of the game and can win those one nothing 2-0 games where everybody wants to go home. So, I, uh, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good, Steve. I'm good about it. Pretty, pretty, pretty. <laughs> Pretty good. Hayes, uh, first seven-shot game with the Flyers, and fourth time, including the regular season, where he had at least eight shot attempts overall, Uh, even though two of those... he had seven shots in that game? I didn't realize. Seven shots, yeah. Uh, Now, two of them them were just... uh, He lobbed the puck in from the neutral zone and was going in for a line change. They went on one in on price. But the other, like... He had three high-quality chances last night, um, and he had that nice rush chance at 4-4 four four that Price got a blocker on, that shorthand breakaway I just mentioned. Um, and then he had a pretty good shot uh, in the slot on the power play, but uh, fucking Nick Dazuki got in the way. Nick Dazuki is going to be... I just, I just, You know, I, I don't want to see him get his ass kicked. I just want the Flyers to let him know that, like, we saw that. I don't know. Like, just after every whistle, he's kind of like, you know what's coming. Just heads up. We're, we're going to fuck you up. So just, it's... Like, that head tap thing. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. What oh, he, he, he should have exactly been on his back. He knew what he was doing, but he should have been fucking playing. Like, I don't usually care about that shit, but don't fucking touch heart. Like, especially in this series where your team's getting fucking embarrassed, they'll still start trying to do that cute little shit. So, um, yeah. 
what else? Oh, also about Kevin Hayes, uh, and this isn't related to anything that we've said or we're going to say. He was a fat baby. Did you see that baby picture they shared in, like, game three or four? No. He was one shrunk. Uh, who had the tweet? And Craig Flyers, I think, had the tweet. Or they got a screen grab of it. But click on that and look at the baby on the left. That's Kevin Hayes. And that is one chunky baby. Just oh, one. boy. <laughs> he's, he's a hefty boy. That's a baby version of Kevin from The Office. <laughs> But, uh, but that's it. That was just, uh, you know, that was a uh, chunky baby. Uh, I did want to talk about A.V.'s comments uh, about Gallagher today. We did talk about, like, I thought his comments after Game 2 were overblown, but that was, you know, he made comments about a Canadian team, and we're talking about the Canadian media and hockey, so I thought that was a little... I thought he was doing that more to let the Flyers know, like, hey, they were disrespecting you, not really, like, why they had to hurt us more. So, But looking at the shit uh, with Gallagher... Via Bill Meltzer, he said this, uh, quote, In my estimation, Gallagher got, got up and seemed fine. He was talking to the refs, talking to our players the rest of the time on the bench. Niskanen's angle didn't change, just a hockey play. Uh, and then also, apparently, from Arpon Basu, uh, he was asked in French about Montreal claiming Gallagher as questionable to play in Game 6, and he said, If you see my s- smile, it says it. <laughs> so, uh, I again, AV's line decisions maybe not that great. Uh, gamesmanship in response to Montreal's gamesmanship, pretty good. Uh, and I'll I'll take these little I'll take these little quotes to kind of piss off the other team too. Because this is what we're, this is I love gamesmanship, and that's why I even though I hate Suzuki, I love this kind of stuff. Because this is why this is why I watch hockey. Because you just want to fucking kill people. Because <laughs> it gets intense, and the series series get closer and closer, and then. By the end of the series, these teams just want to hate each other, and it's going to get real ugly and gross out there, and hopefully it leads to just better hockey. So, um, yeah, Gallagher, the Gallagher loss for them, I think, is huge. And this is the way I would have liked for Niskanen to remove Gallagher from the series. I kind of would have liked it from effective defense. Uh, but uh, we'll, we'll see how they rebound. I think, honestly, it works out. Both those losses work out in the Flyers' favor. Because Niskanen hasn't, you know, he plays a lot. He hasn't really been at the top of his game uh, recently. Uh, what else from the rest of this game? I don't think I have anything else to dunk on uh, or to bitch about with this game. I just wanted to, uh... yeah, I think we're good. So, looking at the line, the lines from last night, the bottom six has to change. Uh, I don't know, I don't even know what kind of lines you're going to throw out there, but... Drew Grant Lawton last night, they did fine in game uh, game four, which was a really tight game, 2 nothing win. But then last night, there were 50%, uh, Corsi 4 percentage, uh, but then there were one shot for, three shots against, and a 9.29 expected goals 4 percentage, which just isn't going to fucking work. And again, I don't Not know. going to cut it. AV, in terms of decisions, he threw that line out there against the Tar, Deneau, Gallagher, and uh, Brett Kulak and Jeff Petrie. So that's not exactly the unit I want thrown out there at 5-5 five and five against. Like, uh, you would think Grant and Lawton, you know, they get talked about a lot for their defensive, you know, help and acumen and everything, but uh, I, I still don't know if I want them going up against the top line. And then Bottom and Thompson and Pitlick, we already went through how bad they were, and they were effectively on the ice for two goals, the two 5-5 five five goals against. So you just can't, uh, they just can't do that series again. And Pro Ralph and Niskanen got pounded in terms of possession last night, too. Niskanen... For Robin Niskanen, shots on the ice. They're on the uh, ice for 11 total 5-on-5 five five shots. Ten of them went uh, the Canadians' way. Uh, and they were paired against the Tatar, Deneau, uh, Gallagher line as well. So, um, you know, it's really unfortunate that Niskanen, that Gall- Niskanen and Gallagher stuff, but I, I think it's going to help the Flyers <laughs> in not the way that we should be looking for an advantage. But 
you know. Um, looking at this other... Uh, I mean, do you want to talk about the rest of the series? I mean, we already pretty much talked about games two and three on the forecast. Game four was, uh, was another close series, uh, and the lines from... The lines from Wednesday played better in that, in the win on uh, on Tuesday because they kind of just took they effectively took away the entire Canadians' offense. So I think that's what AV was hoping would happen again, but I think the Canadians opted to open it up a little bit. But anyway, Rafa Couture and Voracek tied for three and three in shots, sixty one point sixty one expected goals four percentage, and they had a goal. Law and Drew Grant uh, five to six shots, sixty eight point zero five expected goals four percentage. 0-0 zero zero goals. Farabee Hayes connect me. 4-5 shot uh, disadvantage. And then they got it kind of pounded. 31.13 uh, expected goals, 4 percentage. And then Bunneman, Thompson, and Pitlick, again, had another terrible game. 2-3 uh, two, two and three on shots. 31.59 expected goals, 4 percentage. So, like, Bunneman, Thompson, Pitlick has not been working as your shutdown defensive pair. Or shutdown, like, line um, since you've thrown it out there. So, yeah, the Bunneman, yeah, Bunneman's got to come out, I think. I think Thompson should come out. I don't know if it's going to happen. Oh, he should, but I, I for some reason, Vigneault and this is the real, seem to have like a lot of faith in him. This is the this is the first real what are we doing AV kind of moment I think. Like if Thompson if that line shows up again in game in game six that Bunneman Thompson Pitlick line, I, there's going to be some people questioning what AV is doing. So I think you know it's not going to be necessary. I still trust a lot of what he does, but if I don't see a change on that line, I'm going to have some fucking questions. Uh, what else here? Uh, oh, game four. Okay, so the two things I do want to talk about for game four. Carter Hart became the youngest flyer and the third flyer's goalie to post back-to-back playoff shutouts. Uh, Michael Layton did it in games one and two of the 2010 Eastern Conference Final against the Canadians. And Bernie Prant did it in the 1975 quarterfinals against the Leafs, which uh, the Flyers swept on the way to a cup. What a trio right there. What a Bernie trio. <laughs> yeah. Carter Hart and Michael Layton. Yeah, uh... Best goalie of franchise history. Guy that's supposed to challenge that dude that was just there. Like, guy that was just kind of <laughs> there. So, uh, and then also looking through the rest of that stat, Hart, Layton, Chekmonik in 2003 against the Senators in the Eastern Conference semifinals. Hextall, Lindbergh, and uh, Perrant, who did it twice, each had a playoff series with Philly where they had at least two shutouts, which Hart is, yeah, now a part of. So, um, and according to the NHL Network, Hart at 22 years old in five days is the second youngest goalie to post consecutive shutouts. Harry Lumley, we all know the name, uh, of the Detroit Red Wings did it in 1945 at 18 years old and 161 days old. So, like, to me, that's not a real record. Like, it, crazy shit happened back then. So, I, every record from, like, before <laughs> 1950 is, to me, Carter Hart's the youngest goalie to post back-to-back shutouts. Like, if the, if we just saw the second long, or the fourth longest playoff game. In NHL history, and Keith Primo's overtime winner—that was the third longest, and the other two were from the '30s. And one of the guys' name was like Mud. So, like to me, like that's not a record. To me, that's not an actual record. I'm not kidding. Look that up. The guy's name was like Mud Bruntu or something like that, and that's supposed to be the guy that has the all-time. Like, no, I'm not going with that. So there was no joy in Mud Bruntu. <laughs> that's got to be a Simpsons reference, right? It's Casey at the bat. Ah, okay. Um. <laughs> I can't wait until you get you know, like somebody comes on that actually knows. I'm start. I'm I started watching Rose the Development, so I'm waiting for no touching. I'm waiting for a no touching, like a goalie interference call that we can debate. Oh yeah, and then, yeah no so. touching's great. <laughs> no touching. Uh, 
hey. I mean, somebody got arrested on a yacht today. Steve Bannon got arrested on a yacht today. So By that's, the that's postal service, right? right? There. <laughs> By the postal service, yes. I Okay, hold on. I didn't... Can the UP... Like, they can arrest people? What, what's happening? How is that a... I, I don't even know. This yeah. nothing makes sense anymore. Like, I feel like, uh, like, do I have to worry about like the UPS coming around, and, like picking people off? Like, hey, come on, we know what you did. Uh, but USPS, yeah, <laughs> uh, they're watching. Yeah, apparently. Uh, I do want to say it's going to come and get you. Uh, <laughs> to uh, to go back to because um, uh, we've been dunking on Thompson a lot, and uh, I inadvertently dunked on Hagrid there. They did both get in the way of Weber shots, which uh, I mean, I just want to give kudos to. I don't know. I mean. Oh, Hag almost yeah, that was maybe like the Hag's most heroic moment. <laughs> the most heroic moment of Robert Hag's uh, Flyers career was easily getting in the way of a Shea Weber slap shot. Like that looked unpleasant. And he caught the very bottom of the back of his helmet. That was nuts. Like that was a. And, and as we know, a Shea Weber slap shot can pierce a tank. Oh yeah, he fucking has literally shot the puck through the net. Like he's he's got a hell of a cannon. Like. So. He's he's lucky that his head didn't blow up like scanners. <laughs> and I think yeah, Thompson got in the goods too. So like both these guys, you know, I hate I hate the way Thompson's playing, and I don't really like him as a player. But he, uh, I, I got to point out that that took a lot of, lack of better terms, took a lot of balls to get in front of that shot. So, oh yeah, absolutely yeah. Kudos to both that, uh, you know, not easy. No, not easy at all. You, uh, Oof, Washington is uh, I was gonna not say, having a good night. You want to get into these other series here? I didn't. I don't have a lot of notes on the other series, but I thought we could talk about some of the uh, the bigger stories, like Islanders. Well, let's talk about yeah. Islanders right now are leading three to one, and they are leading this game. We're watching two nothing right now. I mean, this could be completely different by the time this podcast is over. But mid second period right now, the Islanders. Are, I don't know. Looking like they're gonna do it and eliminate the Washington Capitals. That's a real shame. That'd be a real bitch. That also, wild goal from Bolivia here. Yeah. I mean, I hope he has looked like shit. Like, I haven't seen a lot of this series, but some of the goals I've seen Hopi give up have been absolutely... Bouvillier. Sorry, I completely butchered that. But that's <laughs> What'd you call par for the course here. <laughs> Bolivier. Oh, oh, yeah. No, uh, yeah. I switched a bunch of stuff out. You know, that's what happens. <laughs> But, I mean, it's absolutely insane goal where he's just crossing the crease, puts it around Holpe, and smashes into the net, yeah. into the post. I just, I think, I still can't get over Holpe's two goals from game one where he just, like, the one was just a seeing-eye shot from the top of the circle, and he just he just whipped on it. The only thing, too, is Ovechkin passed Gordie Howe and Crosby in goals, uh, playoff goals. So I was just waiting. I want to see how many articles that uh, end in .ca wrote about that. I got to go back and check that out to see them talking about Ovechkin having more goals than uh, Gordie Howe and Crosby now. <laughs> so uh, that Carolina Boston, I thought it was going to go seven games. I can't believe that's a five. I can't series. believe it didn't go six. That was at all. Least. Yeah, that was all game four. Like the Car- Hurricanes had that, and then they shit the bed. Like that's all that was. They shit the beach real bad. Did you see? I think uh, Ryan Quigley. Uh, retweeted the uh did you see jordan martunuk's uh pre-game ritual with the uh sveshnikov where he just yells sveshnikov's name like right before they go on the ice it's the fu- no, I, I was fucking dying because he just like he just sounds like a bird screeching and every single time a special just kind of sits there like oh he's doing it like he smiles but you can tell he's like oh he's doing it again this is great and like he just there's like fucking weird <laughs> yeah so i don't know if you'd be able to find that but it's just i was dying looking at that yeah, and the injury. Svechnikov! 
the in, <laughs> the See how, like, shooting. Snatch neck off. Andre. Uh, that was me saying Andre. So, uh, yeah, snatching off injury was pretty shitty. Uh, I and Jack, I didn't even I forgot to look up Jack Edwards' take, but I know he had a pretty fucking horrible tweet about it. Oh, so that was off fun. Also, yeah, that McAvoy hit is what caused that. Not to point to a hit causing a change of momentum, but McAvoy laid the fuck out of Jordan Stahl, and then the Bruins scored like three seconds later, and that was the start of the end of it for the Hurricanes. But that was that might be the cleanest hit I think I've seen in the postseason because uh, he pulled Jordan Stahl parallel, and he instantly went to the locker room. Uh, I don't know. I actually don't know. Well, it doesn't matter if Jordan Stahl is healthy or not because they, uh, they don't have a game for a little bit of time now. So... Uh, I am enjoying um, the Canucks Blues series a little I bit. I have not picked a winner properly in this one. I well, I don't blame you because uh, it looks like the Blues goalies are out there having a little bit of fun, and uh, we could have guessed that with one of the goalies being Jake Allen. But taking a lot of satisfaction on watching Jordan Bennington come back down to earth because that asshole made a lot of my predictions look wrong in the last year's postseason. So, I, I mean... You were bitter about it all season. I was really... I jumped on him Jordan after... Bennington. I was giving it to him after they lost game six and he had some... There was a shitty bounce on a goal he gave up and I was like, I oh, look a little nervous on that one there, Chief. And then, like, he, of course, went on to steal a show in game seven, but... I think the Athletic did a player poll... And they were like, who who would you want for a game seven goalie? And a bunch of them were like, Bennington, he just did it. Yeah, that's and that's that's why it's annoying. Because I do, like I think he caught lightning in the bottle, and I think he'll be fine, but like I don't think he's the guy. Like I don't think he's gonna be like the next goalie that's You think he's to... the next Cam Ward? I would lean more towards that. Yeah. I that's I don't know. That's just how I feel. Uh but and like Jake Allen did give him Jake Allen got him back to the series, but then last night, uh well, Canucks had a pretty good surge there in the second period. I turned that game on right as the Canucks made it 3-2, to and that's kind of when it seemed like everything kind of unraveled for the Blues. But I uh, I thought the Blues were going to kind of take care of that series pretty quick. And, uh, you know, all year long I'm talking about the Canucks and how it kind of seems like I thought they would just have, like, the young team in the postseason kind of stupid shit happen. Like, I thought Quinn Hughes would have, like, a bad player or two that would lead to a loss, or, like, they would just kind of have games where they would just get hemmed in their zone because they just aren't, I don't know, whatever kind of narrative bullshit you want to come up with. But they've been, I don't know, they've been playing pretty decent. Yeah, and uh, kudos to the Canucks, who we thought, you know, might have been too young to do this and might not be there, but they are, they've been taking it to the Blues and they lead the series 3-2. to two. Quinn Hughes, uh, I think, uh, Horvath leads the postseason, or I think Brock Besser leads the postseason scoring, or he did a couple days ago. Um like that's been currently currently the postseason uh nathan mckinnon topping points with 13 because he had a monster game against the coyotes yeah bo, bo horvat has uh six goals and uh him and nazim kadri lead the league with six uh playoff goals yeah so, so, yeah mckinnon man it's just mckinnon's a transition into the yeah, the yeah. avalanche coyotes series there was no... my god that was a bloodbath if you game. like he has so many examples of like, because we we've talked about annoying hockey because we're I mean we're not gonna pretend like the Flyers haven't been playing that this round but like the Coyotes the Islanders, and um, the Coyotes Islanders and I already forgot the third team that we always kept talking about that did it but like all they do is just play defensive style like trap hockey like pretty much just make sure just protect the house and go from there but like you saw in that series that's a great idea to take away talent but. Some teams just have too much talent. Like McKinnon, multiple times in that series, 
She said, uh, fuck your system, and just skated through it and created a goal out of nothing. So he's, I mean, he's a monster. I know Wyshynski wrote some article about him being the best player in the world right now. I don't know about that. I mean, if if by right now you mean actively because, playing in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I agree with that. I can see... Like I, I could see, I could see somebody make the case that it might be closer than people think because of McKinnon's, uh, I guess his defensive play, and also because I like McDavid is is the fastest player in the league, I think. But when McKinnon gets going, you can't. There's no stopping him. Like his acceleration in the neutral zone is fucking bananas. Like it's there's it's it's just over for most teams. And now that they have depth scoring, I mean they got Kadri for depth scoring, and now he leads. The league in postseason scoring, so they're going to be a fucking scary team uh, to take out. So hopefully, we just got to hope uh, uh, Eric Johnson just plays a lot there. So and the Coyotes, I mean, I just kind of feel bad for Rick Tocchet. Pretty, I mean, there was nothing they could do in that series. Everybody knew going in that was going to be Darcy Kemper's got to play like Jesus or it's curtains, and uh, it just uh, didn't go that way. Um, but I think they'll be back though. I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're keeping Hall. Uh, and I don't know if they do anything with with Kessel or anybody, but um, I, I think they're going to they're going to get. I think they'll be a little bit better next year. Get a little more offensive, uh, a little more of an offensive punch out there, and then keep playing the defense. I think I think they'll be fine. Um, got Tampa Bay, Columbus. Hey, we didn't really talk about that yet. Uh, Man, what a another what a weird series. Oh, Columbus. That that's was. I mean, yeah, yeah, one of the longest overtimes of all time. Uh, multiple overtime games from them. Yeah. The last one even just, you know, it just got to the point where it's like, are you guys really doing this (laughs) shit again? My God. And that series must have been one of the most frustrating four to one series victories that a team can have. Because Tampa Bay was putting up shots left and right. And Columbus just did their damnedest to employ their system (laughs) and try to slow them down. And, I mean, Columbus was a thorn in their side, and they came very close in almost every game. Yeah, no, they no, they were. Columbus was the third team I, for some reason, blanked on when it came to defensive scheme. Got to you know taking out the excitement of a, a series, but they, I mean, Tortorella did a he really did a fucking number this year. I, he did a really good job, and they that was a really close series considering how tired the Blue Jackets must have been, which I know is a weird argument for pro athletes, but they played a lot of. That to play like that, it's grueling. And then they had a lot of overtime uh, games against the Leafs, and they had that five overtime game, and then they ended, like you said, on that overtime game against the uh, in Game Five. And I, the only interesting thing I want to point out with that was uh, Rick Peckham. I know that may not be a name everybody knows, but if you if you watch if you've watched Lightning games, however you know however many years you want to go back, he's been the guy that's done the play by play on the the lightning broadcast since 1995 he's got a very distinct voice so like if you go and watch lightning highlights you've you've heard him before and that was his last game was game five uh so his last call was calling the Braden point overtime winner and now he's he's done so i think that's pretty cool to have like a 25 year career and then it comes down to that like that was his final call so it was pretty exciting to watch and uh that is pretty cool. Yeah, I think Awful Announcing did a whole post on it, so you can go watch like his reaction to it and everything. So, uh, and that's then, a hell of a goal too. It was, it was, and it was like you can't play like that forever. That was the Blue Jackets fucked up most of that play, and then Kucherov made a pretty nice pass, and yeah, so that was. Uh, that's the thing Lord about Corpusalo, man. Man, that I, guy played. I don't know, maybe the best series he could have played against insane. one of the better offensive teams in the NHL. Yeah, like, and he still that's still how it ended. 
He had so like we I always talk about the defensive system and shit and like how whatever, but he had so many like sprawling cross crease saves where he just bailed the, the blue jackets out of his nuts. That oh that five overtime game, he had he had four to five uh ten bell saves. Uh once he got into overtime. So I think like he it looks like they were right to just kinda move on from Bob. I think he's fine. They got some other goaltending prospects coming up that can kinda help him out. So um yeah, that's yeah, the Blue Jackets might be annoying for a couple of years. Why the why the Islanders and Blue Jackets both have to be in in the Flyers division? Like why? It's really just so annoying. After years of watching teams and at least so, at least the Isle or the uh, the Jackets have torts though to be like a pissy little you know baby when yeah. he loses. It's still my favorite thing. Like just like his press conference is like, Ugh, and he just walked off. I like to think that is, every is that something like you tell me or I don't know you saw the series like I like to just th- walked off to think every time he gets pissed he just pictures the reporter as Larry Brooks so then he just like he just rips apart Larry Brooks from the New York Post he's like you would think that works he wouldn't you yeah yeah you would think that <laughs> like that's what I picture him just like that's what he like, channels the Islanders of Barry Trotz who's just like no emotion except for like occasional yelling and just pretty much a stoic figure back there. Yeah, yeah. So not uh, you're not going to get too much out of the uh, entertainment off the ice part of it. But yeah, Tortorella, that's his. He's really good at it. I mean, he'll he's yeah he's pretty good post game comments. Even during the games too, like his reaction when uh, what's his nuts not toss over glass during that five overtime game. But he just he's 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 worth the price of admission when it comes to watching. Uh, where are the other two? Stars Flames. Uh, I mean, I haven't really been keeping up too much with that one. I've watched it a little bit. I can't believe the Stars got like 62 shots in game four, I think. And Kachuk's been out for the Flames, and Bishop's been out for the Stars. So it's kind of been a little bit of a unique series in that aspect because Kachuk is a pretty big part of what the Flames do on offense, and Bishop is... I mean, the Bishop, they still have Kudobin, who's been doing... I think he's been doing pretty all right, but... Uh... He did have a great, like, stunned look the other day, though, getting up oh, to yeah, yeah, yeah. shell shot. <laughs> yeah, that was, and that goal was unfortunate, too, because he got a rocker right after the puck went in. So that, uh, that sucks for him, but he did have the best, like, wake up from a long nap, don't know where you are kind of look going on there. <laughs> that, uh, and then the last one, Golden Knights, Blackhawks wasn't really as serious. I mean, that... The Blackhawks put just up don't about play as much of a fight as this current roster could, but yeah. it just was not nearly enough. Vegas looks good. Vegas looks real fucking good. And I unfortunately Pierre was not I'm making predicting... the point, but like he they can come in waves at you because they have a lot of depth and it's pretty easy when you can just put Mark Mark Stone out there a lot of the time. I'm really thinking Avs Black or not Avs Blackhawks, uh, Avs Knights for the Western Conference final, and that would be an amazing series. Oh Avs. god. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, so we still have so uh, yeah, Flames, Stars, three and six there, and then yeah, so they still have most of the, the uh, conference to get decided there. But I think uh, I think the Avs can take. I think the Avs are going to beat the Stars, uh, and I think they would. With the way the Blues have kind of been playing, I, I think I'll take the Avs over the Blues right now too. I think the Avs would. Oh boy, McKinnon in that offense against a shaky Bennington. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> Give me all of that. Uh, and then, uh, yeah. And then in the East, I mean, the Flyers are, Flyers are going to be playing the Islanders. Uh, and I know that's annoying to hear because it is, because <laughs> it's going to be boring, systematic, cocky, uh, a lot of big ifs. Yeah. Big ifs. Flyers got to win a fight game first. Uh, so yeah, 
And we're not talking about you talking about the Cavs coming all the way back. <laughs> I mean, listen, the, the the Caps are only down two nothing. You never know, and the Flyers have uh, you know two game one to two games to win. So yeah. well, one game to win, but two tries. So. Yeah. Uh, again, hopefully it's all settled Friday. Yeah, it's think, all moot. But yeah. it's uh, th- th- we're presuming, and I don't like to presume because I'm superstitious as fuck, but we're presuming that it's going to be an Islanders flyers round next round. And that is, if that's what it is, I mean, the Islanders are annoying as shit. They've had the flyers number this year, so it will be a tough series, Yeah, but it'll be tough regardless because I mean, it's Bruins and lightning otherwise. So it's, yeah, they're all tough. And like, yeah, that's because it's the postseason. So like I, and I was, uh, I think that's kind of, I'm only saying that because I think people right now, thought that the Canadians were going to be a cakewalk, but it's a fucking postseason. Like, things get, things just get tight and difficult. That's, that's all this is. And I think Lightning Bruins, uh, I'm going to be interested. I mean, I think the Lightning are going to come out on that. I think the, once the Lightning got past the Blue Jackets now, I think that was kind of their, uh, I think that was kind of their, their demons they needed to slay there. Because uh, I got, once they had that long playoff, uh, the one long five overtime game and they lost game two, I was getting kind of nervous that Lightning were going we're gonna to kind of crap out. But they can play. This is what I've been trying to like say all year was they still have the talent and it looks like they've committed to being able to suffocate teams defensively. Because like during those winning streaks, they had a couple 10 game winning streaks. I don't know if that's enough to let you know they're good. But like I think that one, when they played the Flyers late in that one winning streak, they had won nine games and only given up eight goals in that span. So, like, I know we want to talk about the choke last year, but they're fucking... If they commit to defense and you still have Vasilevsky in net, they're going to be a tough team to beat. And uh, I think the Bruins were kind of fortunate only went five games. Like, I think they, I think the Hurricanes should have won game four. Um, but I'm, I'm taking the lightning in that situation. Islander series is going to suck for the Flyers. It really is, yeah. Like, they... They just seem to have the Flyers number, and um, I'm a little encouraged by I don't know, I'm a little encouraged by this series because it seems like the Flyers are doing all right when it comes to playing the really boring, take all the fun out of the series type of game. You know, like games one, games one, three, and four were it was all defensive, and the Flyers came out on top of them. So I think it helps when you have a guy like Carter Hart net too. But um, what else we got here, Steve? Or do you have, uh, what, what are your thoughts on these series coming out? Do you think, who you got in Lightning Bruins? Well, again, it's a big if, but if it's Lightning Bruins, uh, that's, I mean, that's tough, man. I mean, one of the biggest factors, the fact that, that Tuka Rask had to bow out of the bubble. Yeah. His, uh, family concerns and, and go home. And I mean, I think the Bruins again, have maybe the best backup for this situation that anybody could have in Halak. Uh, he yeah. fits their system well. He always is subbed in really well for them, and he, he looked pretty good for the most part against the Hurricanes. Certainly better than uh, Mrazek for the most part. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. But <laughs> yeah, well, and that and but, you know that that was I something. Mean, yeah. it, it's a toss-up series for me because I think they're both really good. That's they're very evenly matched. Uh, man, I I think the lightning make it past them but it really could go either way because boston's sneaky they have that stupid perfection it's not gonna be amazing it's if the lightning do i'm not saying it's gonna be oh four games they're gonna have to cancel the fifth like fourth one because i think it's gonna be a real knockout it needs that series is gonna go six minimum if it happens yeah which again 
I, I mean, that's... I... I'm not confident with the Islander series uh, if it were to get there, but you know, but it's not. We, we got to focus on that. The Flyers still got to fucking close out this series because they're uh, they're making. Flyers got to close that. That's yeah, why they're having some fun. Yeah, they're having they're having some fun here. Yeah, I I'm yeah. still confident they're gonna get it done, but I I also hate jumping to conclusions here. So unless I'm doing it on the jump to conclusions, Matt. So uh, you want to talk about uh, <laughs> Dale? Let's talk about Dale Howardchuck now, or uh, I guess just talk mention him a little bit because. He's uh, a former flyer who unfortunately uh, passed away this week. Uh, but I wanted to talk about him because I feel like he's one of the more underrated players in hockey history. And because he passed away, they have been talking about like how, like just how much of a point producer he was and how much like, I guess people have kind of forgotten about him and how good he used to be. But I found this stat. He's a hundred percent. One of the more underrated guys of his era and, you know that was a that was a really good get for the Flyers going into that uh, that playoff yeah. run that they did. I yeah. mean, he didn't he didn't play the biggest role, but he was a solid player for them. And I, we talked about like great short term Flyers, and he was one of the guys that kept coming up. Yeah, no, and and he did he did a lot of stuff in that '97 postseason. Uh, and I was I was looking at it because you know not that I fucking remember all the stuff that happened, but he had a couple big games and. Uh, uh, but I wanted to talk about the one stat I wanted to point out was uh, from 1984 to 1991, Wayne Gretzky led the league in points with 2,157. Howard Chuck was second with 1,298. The rest of the top 10 was made up of um, Paul Coffey was fourth. Or uh, Mary Lemia was third, sorry. So Paul Coffey was fourth. Mark Massey was fifth. Uh, all those guys broke uh, 1,200. And then Yari Curry was sixth with 1,192. So out of the top six players, it was Wayne Gretzky and his friends, Mary Lemieux, and then Dale Howardchuk. And so, like, who do you hear the least about out of that group of people, even though they finished second? And, like, I feel like I still hear all the time about Messier and Curry more, uh, probably as much as I hear about Howardchuk. Maybe, I, maybe I'm kind of crazy for that one, hearing. But I feel like... No, Curry... no, I... That's, that's what I always hear. Like, I... You never hear about Howard Chuck, and he 100% deserves it. I mean, just a fantastic player of the time. And he's just, I think it's just because he wasn't necessarily as as flashy. He was play for the guys, Jets. Yeah, that, that too. That too. Yeah, he also played for the fucking Winnipeg Jets, which I think hurt him. But he that's a good point. It's like, uh, that's how a lot of guys get glossed over. They just rack up a ton of points. Like, uh, I don't know. Uh, Ron Francis seems like one of those guys, too, that is up there in point totals. But sometimes always gets glossed over whenever you talk about like the penguins or something. So Howard Chuck, one fifty goal season, six forty goal seasons, and three thirty goal seasons, had six one hundred point seasons, including a hundred and thirty point campaign in nineteen eighty four eighty five for the Jets, where he finished in heart voting he finished second in heart voting to Wayne Gretzky. And I also worth noting that in nineteen eighty four eighty five uh, Pelly Lindbergh finished third in uh, Calder trophy voting. So uh, to his time in Philly, uh, he signed as a free agent in St. Louis in the summer of 1995, which led to the Blues trading into the Flyers for Craig McTavish in March of 96. Uh, he finished with 54 points, 16 of which were goals in 67 games for the Flyers between 95-96 and 96-97. Nine points in 12 games during the 96 playoffs, and then six points in 17 games during the 97 uh, Cup run, or run to the Cup Finals. Uh, he had a three-point game with a game-winning goal, in Game 3 of the 1997 Eastern Conference uh, semifinals against the Sabres, 
where he had uh, he had the game-winning goal, and the Flyers won 4-2-1. Uh, also in the Hockey Hall of Fame, and he won the 1982 Calder Trophy with the Jets because he had 45 goals and 58 assists for 103 points in 80 games. 45 goals in 80 games. I know it's the 80s. Still, though, it's, uh, it's a pretty decent amount of goals. So. All right. That's yeah. uh, Dale yeah. Howard Chuck time. Yeah. That was... Yeah. Like, rest in peace, Dale Howard Chuck. Uh, hockey World is definitely going to miss you. And as he said, underrated player and one of the, the greats. Like, painfully underrated. Yeah. Like, I just, uh, I guess I. You know, it, it is a lot of, about points with him, I guess, maybe. But still, like, second to Gretzky, and I feel like all those other names are, are definitely mentioned a lot more than him. So I just uh, I thought we'd, you know, mention him a little bit. Uh, and then also because uh, everybody might still be a little pissed off and peeved about last night, I thought we'd end on the positive note of uh, Jim Rutherford just really fucking loves Jack Johnson playing defense for his team. I don't know what that's about, but he, he's a fan. I, dude... I you just want to talk about like dying on a hill, like it's, loving it. Yeah, like, he's struggling to he get up this just hill. Decided and that he's, yeah, Jack Johnson is like the guy, and love it. Like I, that's just stubbornness at this point. That's all that is. I mean, there's no. We all saw him play defense, like, and we've all seen him play defense. I, I don't know what Jim Rutherford sees, but I, I like it. I hope he keeps seeing it. And uh, this is based off of. Uh, an article from The Athletic. I assume it's Josh Yoey. I didn't actually check. Well, I'll check right now so we can get... Uh... Yeah, Josh Yoey, the Penguins Athletic beat writer. So uh, here are some quotes from his article. Um, Here's my summary of this situation. Maybe Jack Johnson isn't as good as I think he is. Maybe. But he's not as bad as all the anti-Jack Johnson people think he is. I'll tell you what he is. He's a solid third-pairing defenseman if he's playing with the right guy. He's a player that I happen to really like, and I think he's a better player than a lot of people want to give him credit for. Okay, so let's get into this. God. I want uh, the, the maybe there is an italics. So he is, like, he says it, and then he's like, you know what? Maybe I am wrong. <laughs> and then he's like, I can't give up on it mid-quote, though. I'm going to finish out this quote. And then he, I just like the, uh, he's a solid third-pairing defenseman. Is that like, maybe, maybe that's the other thing with that. Like, is that what people think? Like, he's a really solid, like, Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. But, like, Jack Johnson is straight-up ass out there. Like, he is just not... I, he's not good any pairing defenseman. Like his, he's our best worst defenseman, is basically what Yeah, that's what... You, like, his role... He's, his role is really not that... Like, that's a weird argument to make for him. But, anyway. That's he's the, great at sitting in the press box when he gets the opportunity. <laughs> he, he'll sit up there and eat penguin-shaped pretzels like nobody's business. My assumption is every other team just makes their logo with the pretzels and it's not just Philly. I mean, why wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Pretzels are big everywhere. That's not just a Philly thing, I'll say. Moving on very seriously. Uh, I think Jack was pretty good this season. He changed up... I'll go back to... Coleslaw. Yeah, yeah, that's right. (laughs) That's right. Go go back to uh, Rutherford's quotes. Uh, I think Jack was pretty good this season. He changed up his training regimen before the season started and you could see the difference. He gained half a step. He's one of those guys. He plays a very heavy game. He's very hard to play against down low because he's so big and strong. He's also a very good penalty killer. He's just checking off all the boxes of things you don't want to hear about somebody on your team. Like, you need to fill these roles. But if this is the best thing to do night in and night out, you don't let him on your fucking team. Like, you just, I don't know. You just really don't. Uh, Continuing, he'll be able to play out his contract. Whether it's for someone else or if it's for the Penguins, he'll play at least three more seasons. Uh what's left on his deal. Uh, the thing about him is that it takes extremely good care of himself. He's in great shape and he'll continue to be in great shape because he's such a professional. 
so I don't have concerns. So pretty much all this could be him like trying to let everybody know uh, Jack Johnson is on the trade block. So uh, he's not going to get fat. <laughs> he's, he's pretty good with the right person. He's not a train like it's. I like. And the thing about Jack Johnson is he was never known as a good defensive player, even in his peak. Yeah, he he has never really been good. And I also like I always feel bad about going in on him because he's had sounds like he's pretty had a shitty personal life based on his parents kind of taking money from him uh, based on his NHL contracts. But still, he's not. I, I just don't want him on. I just don't want him on the team maybe that maybe that's part of it too is jim rutherford feels bad for him but he doesn't want him playing for the penguins anymore i don't know what it is but uh but like he doesn't have to come out and just publicly be like jack johnson's the man (laughs) (laughs) just like whatever it's just like a very like aggressive response hey what do you think of jack johnson that goal against jim's just like all right first of all jack johnson fucking rules all right let me get that out of the way and then it goes on this this guy fucks we all know (laughs) Maybe they think that he's talking about uh, the other Jack Johnson making banana pancakes or whatever. Does Jack Johnson still make Hanging music? out with Curious George. I don't know. I don't fucking know. Do you know any new Curious George movies? I don't think so. And I would know. Well, Big CG fan. You would know. Yeah. yeah. You are. At what point You're does the man he... In the yellow hat. <laughs> at what point does Curious George just become like middle-aged, tired-of-life George? Like he already, know, he already knows everything and he's just done exploring the world man the yellow hat's already checked out too like it just becomes a whole thing anyway uh penguins so <laughs> seeing what's on tv for the night that's it yeah that's that's the shortest book it's an eight-page book and he flips through a couple channels and he gets it so uh he's Pitts- only curious about what's new on netflix <laughs> pittsburgh pittsburgh has 13.2 million in cap space with 10 forwards six defensemen and zero goalies at the moment locked up for next season uh if jack johnson and another point as i like been pointing out uh, the way age works. Uh, if Jack Johnson stays for the entirety of his contract with the Penguins, uh, Malcolm, uh, Evgeny Malcolm will be 37 and Cross will be 36 when that deal is done. So just something to keep in mind uh, about this uh, Jack Johnson deal. So, and I can tell you, once you hit 36, it's just, it's a no bueno anymore, guys. Oh, yeah? Nothing's going on. Uh, I'm 30. We're going to talk about my medical condition this week. <laughs> I have not, <sighs> I don't think I, I've, has anybody under the age of 50 gotten gout? Or I think I've got to be the only person that's like 30 and has gout. Like, I, I don't know. That seems like a fairly old person thing, does it not? Or am I making that up? It's like meeting a young lady named Agnes. Okay. All right. So it's pretty fucking old. Yeah. I, I have no idea, to be honest. I, I don't know the details. It sounds old, but I don't know for sure. Yeah, I don't know either. But that's... Uh... You could start a support group. Uh, I don't... Uh, I think I'm good. I don't know. I'm just not... Just can't like eat seafood. I'll just go from there. We'll figure something out. Uh, you want to do it around the league? <laughs> Let's go around the league, buddy. Uh, Bruce Boudreau has been sec- speculated to join uh, the Maple Leafs coaching staff. Uh, James Myrtle and uh, Elliot Friedman have kind of been uh, talking about it. I think it's still kind of a rumor. I don't know if there's actually anything to it. I was trying to get an answer on that. But, uh, yeah, hopefully Bruce Boudreau doesn't end that... up being there. So I just love that he's slowly making his way north. Just with every <laughs> soon, he's gonna be coaching like the Iceland team. Yeah, he's just gonna slowly move up the map. Um, Caps have signed a former 
Canadians draft pick goalie uh, Zach Bucali to a two-way one-year deal worth 700 k uh, 2013 second-round pick of the Habs uh, was part of a loaded Halifax Mooseheads team back in the day. Had 900 save percentage in 69 uh, AHL games so far in his career. Very nice amount of games. And a 905 save percentage in 115 EC- ECHL games. So I guess what I'm saying is uh, it's looking like it's going to be Sam Sonoff for Fukali on net next year for the Caps, so uh, keep, <laughs> keep an eye on that. Uh, Oilers prospect Philip Broberg will be loaned to Skeletia AIK in the SHL for the 2020-21 season, 2019 first-round pick. Uh, spent last season with the same club where he recorded eight points, one goal and seven assists in 45 games. Uh, former Phantom Maxime LaMarche uh, will play for Ruin in France's Sinterglass League Magnus uh, next season. Uh, Maxim Lamarch, if you don't remember, was a pretty bad defenseman. Uh, and last but not least, uh, defenseman Tim Heed will play for HC Lugano next season in Switzerland's NLA. Uh, he spent the last four seasons with the Sharks, where he accumulated 29 points, six of which were goals for uh, in 105 NHL games. And uh, Steve, that is around the league. So uh, there you go. All right, all right, That's all right. right. Well. If you have any feedback for us, the best place is on twitter.com.org.edu.ca. You can reach Craig at Sports Are Bad. All right, yeah, so this is probably where I brought up the whole uh, gout thing. So I, I got it earlier in the week, and then the pills that gave me, uh, in, what the hell are they called? Indomethacine apparently won the side effects of drowsiness, and that's been hitting me like a, a freight train. So I still got to take one of these things right after we're done. Uh, so I am not going to be doing a goals article for game uh, five because I'm just, I tried to clip the gifts last night and I was losing a lot of focus just doing the most basic part of that article. Uh, and then I, I've been pretty tired most of the time today and I'm pretty sure when I take these pills, I'm just going to pass out immediately. So I should have one for game six and I'm hoping the Flyers uh, make it easy on me and don't have a fucking game seven. So my whole goal was... The Flyers just closed out last night, and then everything would have been A-OK. I would have just I would have just gotten it through today and then just slept all weekend. But uh, they decided to fuck around and lose last night, so uh, there's no... I'm not going to be able to do an article for tomorrow, but I'll have Game 6 up by Sunday. so Or Monday if they, they win on Friday. So that's... Well, hopefully I'm, they win, and then you just have some they extra win. time. Yeah, I'm done talking. You can, <laughs> you can take over now. <laughs> yeah, I think I will. I think I will. You can reach Craig... At sports are bad. You can reach me at flyperbole or at Estebomb, but for your hockey needs, make it flyperbole. Follow BSH Radio, follow Broad Street Hockey. So many good podcasts going on from well, coming out from Broad Street Hockey right now. I'm tired. It's been a long day. Let's get the hell out of here. Go Flyers. Finish this shit up tomorrow night. Maybe you're listening this Saturday and it's already a moot point. Yeah. I hope so. Oh boy. Oh boy. Folks, thank you so much for listening. Stay safe, wash your damn hands, wear a damn mask, and until next time, good night and good hockey. Wow, 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 wow. Hello, everybody. This is Flyperbole. It is a podcast about hockey mostly the flyers but also other hockey things like other hockey teams that play the sport of hockey steve but not steve hartnell and craig but 
not Craig Ruby. No, this isn't all those hockey guys. These are the guys who watch the hockey sport. Yeah! Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.